morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with Lyle and... Shanna. Shanna. Welcome to the show again. What are you thankful for this morning, Shanna? I'm just grateful for a new day, hey. Like, some mornings you wake up on the bad side, wrong side of the bed. Some mornings you wake up on the right side of the bed. And this morning, I'm just, I'm just happy. And it's got a song in my heart. And it's just, it's just great. Well, I'm really glad to hear this because I understand you had an early start this morning. Oh, it actually got postponed. That's one of the reasons I'm grateful as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Okay. So, so you, you're not typically a morning person? No, right? I don't love the morning. Don't love the morning? <laughs> but I'm learning to love it. And the more I'm learning to love it, the more better it is. The better it is. Okay. Let me, let me, let me tell you from a, uh, from the standpoint of a breakfast show host, we are the registered experts on mornings. Mm-hmm. Because we see the morning every morning, we see the sun come up every single morning, like and that. and as the registered expert on mornings, let me tell you that the morning is the best part of the day. Amen. I agree with you. Uh, the, the the day is fresh. Things are starting to waken up. Flowers are starting to open. Birds are starting to sing. Uh, there is an air of expectancy in the air. It's kind of like spring every morning, right? And it's like, well, what might happen today? Mm-hmm. It's all in front of you. By the end of the day, you know what happened. At the beginning of the day, don't know. <laughs> anything could happen. I like it's it. all a surprise. So I think we should always be thankful for mornings, particularly mornings when we are alive. And, of course, mornings are the best time to spend time with God. Mm. Uh, begin your day with God. Spend some time at the very beginning of your day with God. And Faith FM is one place you can do that. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. And you are special indeed. You are the individual creation of God. We're about to get into our breakfast show. Before we do, we have a quiz question for you. This is a 100-pointer. It's the easy one, so everybody should be able to answer it. Get ready to send your answers through, 0491064669. Shannon, what have you got for us? So the question, the 100-pointer question for this morning is, how many times during Jesus' arrest and trial did Simon Peter deny he knew the Lord? Okay. How many times? If you know the number, how many times he denied, then the number to call is? 0491-064-669. Fantastic. Okay, all right, let's talk about some positive different news. Uh, Shanna, what have you got for us this morning? Okay, so the first title of this news headline I wanted to bring up says this, They come from all over Christchurch for this man's water. Why? Would you travel for water? Mm, uh, not unless I had no access to... Sanitary water. I'm I'm kind of the kind I'm the kind of person who really if it's wet, I'll drink it. Should if it's wet, enough? if it's if it's wet and it's not salty, like as in seawater, mm. and it's not muddy, and Are I can and I can mostly trust it. <laughs> I will I, I will drink it. I mean, I used to do when I when I grew up in Tasmania. Of course, we used to do a lot of hiking in Tasmania, mm. and I never carried water. Yeah. Anywhere. Because <laughs> the creeks ever. are amazing, right? Absolutely. They are amazing. They are full of fresh water. It's like, why would I carry water? Mm-hmm. Why would I have why would I have water, heavy water on my hip or in my backpack or somewhere, <laughs> like, somewhere like that? Um, and then, you know, you go to some cities and they're like, oh, the water in this city tastes terrible. And it's like, well, you know, I'm not going to die from it, so I just drink it. <laughs> That's, that, my, my wife is a little bit different. She likes to have, you know, she's a bit more of a connoisseur of water. She likes to have nice tasting Smooth feeling water. Mm-hmm. So I like being a connoisseur of water, but I also yes appreciate that I can have water wherever. So yes. whether it tastes good or bad, I'm still going to have it. Because I've drunk more water. water in the outback. This is pretty heavy stuff. It's pretty yuck, but it works, right? It does. <laughs> so this guy though, he oh 
this family, I'm not sure exactly yeah, who set it up, but the, the guy who owns it now, they set up this um, spring from their property for people to come and get fresh water in, in New Zealand, actually, in um, Christchurch, obviously, for the after the 2011 Canterbury earthquakes. Okay. So it was like for a useful reason. Yes. But now that like... So I guess a lot of, during those earthquakes, yeah, all, all of your water mains would have been broken, wouldn't they? Yeah, exactly. So they're trying to wow. bring a source in there, which is awesome. But then now that there's more chlorine being added to the water, people are going there more and more because they want this fresh water. And so how much, does he char- how much do you charge for his water? It's free water. That's <laughs> epic. That's absolutely amazing. So he has, has, a, has a free water... Sp- he has a spring on his property. He's like, come and fill up your bottle. Pretty well. And people are coming there, not just for the water, but for the community as well. And so people go there to have a chat with the other people who like the same water. So rather than going for your morning coffee, you go for your morning water. Pretty well. This is an epic idea. This is a great idea because coffee will dehydrate you <laughs> and give you insomnia. And, I mean, the, the number of side effects that you get from coffee is just as long as my arm. It's actually a... <laughs> Terrible thing. Uh, but water has no, no, side effects. no negative side effects and a whole bunch of positives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we find in Christchurch that people are flocking to this to use it for things like brewing beer and cider vinegar because apparently it works better on non-chlorinated water. Who would have thought? Yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. So I like the idea of drinking water, turning it into beer. That's just... Yeah, that went downhill. But that's hence that's- why they felt like they needed to get more and more of it. But yeah. Yeah, I could drink a lot of water. Actually, there was a place I used to live in Victoria in the Yarra Valley, Yarra Ranges, and they have the similar thing set up there. And whenever we went up the mountain, we would always go and collect bottles of water just to drink because it was just so perfect. See, I like tank water. I'm a huge fan of tank water. I've lived most of my life mm. on tank water, and it's just the best. It's just amazing. And sometimes, you know, I go to the dentist, they look at my teeth like, oh, you've got fantastic teeth. And, you know, the chlorine in the water is doing its thing. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe never, never, really used, never really used much chlorinated water. But anyway, I'm glad you like my teeth. <laughs> Not yet, hey. So, um, this is, so these people obviously at some particular point must have thought we can make money out of this. You would think so. There must have been a point where it's like, yeah, you know what, the, the earthquakes were a long time ago. We don't need to do this for a charity anymore. We could we could actually monetize this. But they're like, no, we're just going to do this for the good of the community and people come and get their morning water and sit down and have a chat and mm-hmm. uh, socialize and fill up their tanks. I think it's a great thing. Like you can yes. you can make money out of a lot of things, but, you know, sometimes we just got to have community as well. So, yes. <laughs> yeah, what's the balance there? Absolutely. All right, fantastic story. What else have we got? Okay, so... Another interesting thing is, and I want to be really sensitive around this topic because with the floods and stuff in Northern Rivers, we don't want to obviously, yeah, upset anyone, but Mm -hmm. there are some people in the Warwick-Stanthorpe area that are really appreciating the rain right now because two years ago they had one in like their 100-year driest season recorded, one in 100-year driest season recorded. Yeah, wow. And so even though like this rain for everyone else is doing a lot of damage, some people are still really needing it and really appreciating it. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, it's crazy, hey, like the perspective Filling we have. Filling the dams back up. Yeah, and there's green grass and their cattle can eat food again. and Yeah, so there are positives even in the very big negative at the moment. You know, we've had, you know, normally when you get lots of rain, you know how your grass grows and you just goes out of control and mm. you can't mow it fast enough? Our grass has died. Because <laughs> there's too much water. It's been drowned. <laughs> our, our, our lawn has literally been drowned in the light. It's starting to turn back green now, of mm. course. It doesn't take long. But literally turned brown. And drowned with all it's the rain. It's crazy, hey? Never seen, I've never seen grass drowned before. So this is for the um, Western Queensland area who don't yes. get much rain. <laughs> They're getting some of this water. Yes. <laughs> this is good for them. Yes. It's 
Pity we couldn't pump more back up there and just have yeah. um, some really massive reservoirs. We'd be willing to share with them, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So another thing that I wanted to bring up was there's this new world record on this guy who has grown the most amount of tomatoes on a st- single stem in his tiny greenhouse. Okay. Do you want to guess what the number is? So one tomato plant. Yes. One tomato plant. Hmm. It's going to shock you. 30. Much more. Can I add a zero? You can. But I might be wrong. No. <laughs> but you're probably going to go higher. <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Yeah. So higher than 300. Yeah, that's what it's saying. One tomato plant. Okay, what is it? you got to tell me. So it says, Guarding Dad just broke world record for growing 1,269 tomatoes on a single stem in his tiny greenhouse. I need to add two, more ze- two zeros to that <laughs> exactly. first guess. Mm-hmm. So what was that, 1,000? 1, 1,269. I don't know why it's so precise, but he obviously counted them to yes. the number. Well, if you had a tomato plant that was that productive, I think you'd start counting. Yeah, <laughs> be it would be like this. Okay, so I need to I need to know what this guy's secret is. I need to know what variety he's growing. Yeah, exactly. And uh, what kind of soil he's got those in? Because tomatoes are one of my favorite things in the world. Mm. I don't know that I would live well in a world without tomatoes. Yeah. So imagine being able to grow all of those just yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you won't like, be going to the shops anytime soon. How do you eat that many tomatoes? I don't know. You bottle them and bottle. you can them and <laughs> make yep. them nice. Yep. But he's actually an IT manager. And he's just doing something in his spare time, just a hobby, just because he can. Okay. Which is awesome thing to do with your spare time, I I think. Yes. Um, and he's getting ready to do the next um, world record for garden peas, he reckons. He doesn't want to give too many uh, Okay, so this guy's away. a bit of a specialist. He he likes to go after records. So mm-hmm. he's, he's, he's probably planned this, uh, it, it seems like. Oh, okay. he did soil tests. He did everything to get the soil correct and grow it the best way possible. And he's done a lot of research. Okay, so. This is not a random tomato plant. No, this is the special tomato plant. So this is why we know exactly how many tomatoes there are because he actually went out to break a record and... Mm-hmm pretty much smashed it by the sounds of it. Yeah. In 2020, he grew the UK's tallest sunflower. So okay. that was at 20, 20 foot. Oh, that's a long way up. That's a long way. Towered I grew, I grew corn one year that reached 10 feet 4 inches. That's, yeah. I measured it in feet and inches because, well, this was... Half of my family are Americans, yes. so I measured it in feet and inches. I got a photo of myself standing on the seat of my tractor. Um, with the t- corn taller than my head. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I like things like that. Yeah, yeah. I, they, they, I only got two cobs per stalk. <laughs> but it was tall and but it, it was looked tall. good. It looked amazing. <laughs> That's what matters. Okay, and another thing just before we finish up here is that people are finding technology, a biotechnology company, finding technology to reverse hearing loss and put things okay. in your ear to yes. grow the hair back in your ear that has been broken because of um, because of loud sounds, really. That's what breaks it normally, right? Who would have thought that you could change that? I feel like they've tried so many things, and yet now they're finding new technology that can actually do this. So, so, so this is like a different kind of hearing aid kind of thing? It's not a hearing aid, no. It's a, um, it's a regenerative therapy that uses small molecules to program progenitor cells, a descent of stem cells in the inner ear, to create the tiny hair cells that allow us to hear. So there's little hairs in there. Yeah. And we don't hear as well without them. That's right. So don't don't clear, clean your ears too vigorously else you won't be able to hear as well. <laughs> I think they're a bit deeper in. Okay. So like if you play the violin, yeah, you might deafen uh, yourself. You play the violin? <laughs> yeah, I do. 
There you yeah, go. Things like that. That's absolutely fascinating. I think uh, I think that I, I, I you know I always thought you, your hearing just came off of your eardrum and that was about it. But apparently not just that. Apparently, little hair hair things in there stick up and capture and, the sound and and collect the sound. You would think they would they would block the sound more than capture it. <laughs> I don't know exactly how it works, but that's what I'm told. So, I will, I will believe it. I mean, the human body is just an amazing thing, the way that God has created and everything has its purpose. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. We're on The Breakfast Show. Let's go into our 200-point question. Shana, what have you got for us? Our 200-point question today is, what did the patriarch Jacob do all night with God at a place he later named Peniel? Is that how you would pronounce it? You can pronounce it however you like. Well, that's awesome. Because neither you nor I were there when it was first when it was pronounced hey. at that particular time. So I like it. We get to choose how we pronounce it. Mm-hmm. So for our 200-point question, we're getting a back issue of the Science Magazine, which you do want. And the question is, once again, what did the patriarch Jacob do all night with God at a place he later named Peniel? And the number to call is? 0491-064-669. Fantastic. So somebody's texted through here and ooh, where did it go? What is here a second ago? Here it is. Um, I had it when I bumped my phone and everything vanishes. Um, somebody wants a, a, a suggestion on the topic of water, whether the health professionals know anything about pH levels of water. Mm. Okay, so what we're wondering this morning is, do we have any water experts out there? Can you help us out about pH levels? It says here, I've heard that drinking acidic water, uh, as in rainwater, apparently is acidic because of all the pollution, isn't ideal and there's no significant benefit in drinking alkaline water. But I'm not a scientist and that's not considering any other particles like that appear in water like plastic, etc. I don't believe water like in the middle of like, Japan City or something, like City in Japan, would be the healthiest to drink with Rainwater. the pollution. Yeah. Yes. And so that is a good distinction to possibly make. Possibly even here in the Hunter Valley with all of the coal dust. Yeah. Having said that, yeah, this is an interesting question. I, I, I don't know the answer. And hopefully Someone hopefully uh, somebody <laughs> who is out there can let us know. I just like the taste of tank water. Mm. It's the best tasting water ever. And, you know, it comes out of the sky, so... It's good. good. And put it in a metal tank rather than a plastic tank. And it shouldn't have any plastics in it. I think all the other water has plastic in it. Microplastics. Vegetables have microplastics in them these days. They're they're everywhere. Uh, You you cannot escape microplastics. You drink, what is it, a a fireman's helmet worth of uh, microplastics a year. Hmm. I did not know that. There you go. All right, so you need to listen to Faith FM Radio more often. Obviously. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about uh, this story that we mentioned earlier uh, about dad's diet during pregnancy. Okay, so what we're talking about here, we already know that uh, a man's, the health of a man's sperm is affected by his diet. Mm-hmm. So if, he has, if a man has a, has a good diet, he's going to have healthier sperm, which is going to create healthier children. And uh, we now, we've known for quite some time that a dad's diet before conception, actually has a lifelong impact on the health of the child. Okay. I'm really curious why, though. Because it makes okay, sense no, this for... Is, oh, no, this is, before, this is before conception. So that makes sense Oh, before, before conception. Yeah, 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 yeah I've got that. Healthy, yeah. That creates healthy sperm. What we're looking at now is dad's diet after conception. Yeah. 
And new research coming out of Queensland. They studied 400 uh, couples up there in Queen, 400 people up in Queensland. Um, this was the family Queensland Family Cohort Study um, out of the Mater Hospital, um, and it has now found that uh, dads' diet during pregnancy, and in other words, after conception, has a lifelong impact on the health of the child. Yes, well, that's what I'm confused about. <laughs> yes. Okay, and here's how it works. It's actually, it's actually uh, very simple how it works. Uh, basically, when uh, n- nearly across the board, mums improve their diet somewhat during pregnancy because mm-hmm. they're like, okay, I've, I'm, I'm, I'm eating for uh, a little person here and I want to give this little person a good start in life and so I need to look after my diet. And so, you know, mums will stop drinking alcohol. That's, the, that's where you start. That's an absolute, you know, you have to stop drinking alcohol. A lot of them, you know, I mean, smoking's not a very big thing in Australia anymore, but those that do will often stop smoking. That's good for the baby as well. And then they'll clean up their diet. And, but what we've found is that when dads clean up their diet at the same time as mums do, that mums have a better diet and stick at it better than if the dads don't. Oh, I like that. There's in accountability. Words, yes. So in other words, if you are, if, if mum is on, say, like a high sugar diet, mm-hmm. Uh, and she's like, okay, I've got a, I've got a little person that I'm developing right now, and I want this little person to have a good start in life. And of course, the first thousand days of a child's life from conception are critical to their entire life health. It's crazy, hey? It is. Uh, and so they're like, I'm going to give this little person a good. So I'm going to, I'm going to cut down on the sugar. If Dad cuts down on the sugar, Mum will cut down on the sugar and do because really well at it. Because it's not in the house. <laughs> because it's not in the house. But if Dad's like, well, you're pregnant, I'm not, so I can still eat sugar then, of course, that sugar is there to be a temptation to mum and mum doesn't actually cut down on the sugar like she should. I like that. A team effort, hey? Yes. So it's all, all about being a team effort. So if you're, uh, if you're a dad or if you're going to be a dad or anything like that, this is something. This is a major way that you can have an impact on the health of your child um, is simply by uh, doing good things and living. You know, and, of course, if dad stops drinking alcohol during that time period as well, it's so much easier for mum not to be tempted to drink. Yeah. You know, all of these kind of things, they go, they go together. All right. So um, also looking at uh, diet and health during pregnancy, they found that um, only 41.4% of women eat enough, eat the recommended daily allowance of fruit uh, during pregnancy. Wow. As compared to 31% of men. Okay. So the women are doing better. Yeah. But if the men did better, then the women Everyone would be... Everyone do better. Everybody does better. Um Women are only eating 28.4% of the recommended intake of vegetables. Men are only eating 15%, but when it comes to grains, it's in reverse. Women are doing really poorly on grains, according to this news article, with about 1% getting the recommended daily intake of grains, whereas guys seem to be having a sandwich for lunch and getting their 20% in there. So interesting research coming out of Queensland. Stay tuned. I'm sure there will be more information in this space. Uh, the Mater Hospital and the Queensland um, Family Cohort are looking for more, more volunteers to join the study. This is an initial study, and they want to take it much bigger and um, span it out over complete lifetimes. Okay, so another story here coming out of China, and we've just had five Christians that have been released from prison, and these people were in prison for attending a worship conference. So there's kind of nothing unusual about Christians being in prison in China for attending a worship service, except for this one took place in Malaysia. Okay, China 
worship service. So when the when these Chinese Chinese citizens they were they were tourists in Malaysia, they went to a worship service. They get home, they're imprisoned for attending a worship service in another country. In another country. Wow, that's pretty heavy. Yeah, that is really really heavy stuff. They went eight months in prison, four hundred and seventy five dollar fine, and they've only just got out. And they were imprisoned for um, illegally crossing the border, despite the fact they had done nothing illegal, had valid passports, visas, all of their paperwork was, but they had to come up with some kind of charge, and so that was the charge that they came up with. They illegally crossed the border because they went to a worship service. Wow. How blessed are we, though, hey, to have, like, free worship in Australia Yeah, you're not kidding. You are not kidding. You know, when we talk about uh, persecution and what is going on in the world, you know, I I don't often do persecution stories here, but I thought, you know, I just had a quick scan through the headlines this morning, and I could do persecution stories every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for instance, um, we could do a story on 45 Christians kidnapped in Nigeria, uh, a Christian pastor slashed and shot to death in central India, um, 50 Christians and about a hundred, uh, other 50 Christians killed and about a hundred abducted in Nigeria, um, uh, 32 Christians killed in northern Nigeria, uh, family pra- sprayed with acid for leaving Islam in Uganda, uh, Christians in Christian in Pakistani in Pakistan arrested, tortured on blasphemy charges. Uh, suspected herdsman kidnapped forty six Christians in Nigeria. Nigeria is just bad. Mm. Um, the Catholic Church worker killed in a kidnapping of a priest in Nigeria. An Iraqi Christian murdered after sharing her faith on TikTok in Iraq. You know, I, I, I could. These, these are the kind of stories I could do. These stories on a daily basis. This is this is what is happening around our world, and we need to be so thankful that we live in Australia, mm. where our persecution is so small and so limited compared to other countries, and we live in such peace. But you know, when you see things like that happening in China, it sort of asks. It, it makes me ask the question. You know, you've got, and this is just one small story that could be told over and over and over again. I mean, you look at the Uyghurs in China where you've got up to 3 million of them in concentration camps and you ask the question, you know, what are we doing supporting China with the Beijing Olympics a few months back? You know, back when back when apartheid in South Africa wasn't anything like as bad as that, you know, they had apartheid, but they weren't throwing people of different races or religions into concentration camps. They were doing terrible, terrible things, but not concentration camps. Yeah. And we wouldn't send our cricketers there. I mean, I'm old enough to remember that. Um, you know, and it just shows the hypocrisy of the world in which we live. You know, they've got as many people in concentration camps there as what have been displaced in Ukraine. And we're up in arms over Ukraine. Well, there's war there as well, but, you know, we need to think about these things in our world. You're listening to The Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Let's have the 300-point question for our quiz. And you then can we do have that. Some text messages we're going to talk about. Okay. So 300 points for this question here. What adjective beside peaceful describes the kind of Christian life Paul told Timothy to live? So I think we're looking at the New Testament here. An adjective. An adjective. And we're going to get for this a pocket sermon. So a little little book with a sermon in it that you can carry around with you and read and be inspired by. Um, the question is, once again, what adjective beside peaceful describes the kind of Christian life Paul told Timothy to live? That would be a helpful clue for me if I knew what an adjective was, but um, I'm sure that you know what an <laughs> adjective is. Uh, I just read word. I just read. I don't name all of the words that I read. It's a describing word of a noun. Okay, a describing word. Of a noun. Okay, there you go. Something like 
Peaceful. Something, yeah, something like peaceful. So peaceful is an adjective? Yeah. It's describing the Christian life. There you go. Yes. I have been educated this morning. I did know that once, probably in year six. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, all right, so Brett's texted in to say this. As an audiologist myself, I can tell you the whole ear and inner ear mechanism is truly incredible. Mm. So much so that my atheist professor even said in a lecture that the ear even appears that it could be fabricated. We know that to be true. Mm. That's that's interesting from somebody who's an audiologist listening to that story on how that those little hairs in your ear actually help you to hear things. Yeah, that's just amazing. I didn't I never think of listening through hair. <laughs> All right, uh, Shannon, we're going to talk a little bit this morning about a project that you have, mm-hmm. and I understand that um, you're a bit of a country girl. Yeah, kind of grew up in the country. Well, moved there when I was 12. Moved the, moved the country when you were 12? So you yeah. became a country girl? Yes, that's right. So you're a convert? I guess you'd call it that. <laughs> glad that you glad that you saw the light and, uh, and and joined the party. You have a bit of a podcast happening um, about country living. What's your podcast called? Our podcast is called The Cultivate Podcast. Okay. So the idea is cultivating like not just our land but also our characters for eternity. That's cool. And why would the country be a better place than the city to do so? That's a really good question, and I feel like it's more about the lifestyle than the actual location that you're in. But, like, today the cities are so busy, right, and the the messaging we're seeing around us is not always very helpful for our lives. Um, the billboards we're seeing, the different marketing, the messaging. Um, and so, yeah, where can we put ourselves in the place most conducive to spirituality and knowing God, really? And so, yeah, we just unpack that sort of stuff, hear stories and testimonies of people who have been going on that journey and finding a way to move to the country. For some of them, it seems impossible to start with, um, but just how God has opened doors and led them to where they are. And yeah, then just some of the practical stuff of how you can actually grow a successful garden. And yeah. Because growing a garden is kind of part of living in the country. You've got space now, right? Yeah. Well, if you want to be self-sufficient, I guess. You can do it in town. You can. People do do it on their balconies in you know vertical human filing cabinets, otherwise known <laughs> as apartment buildings. And I think if that's the only place you have at the time, I think you should start there. People people do it in their living rooms. Some people grow gardens in their wardrobes, but yeah, <laughs> well, we probably shouldn't go there. <laughs> if you're growing tomatoes, then that's a good idea. Mm, yes, tomatoes all the way. I love. We'll, we will, we will support you growing tomatoes in your wardrobe. Um, they might not get enough sun in there, though. No. You grow them under a grow light. light. Oh, yes. true. Yeah. Does that do the same? Give it nutrients I, I, and... I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know either. People that I know that grow things in their wardrobe don't grow tomatoes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> anyway, changing that subject, moving on from there. So country living is, is, is better for your physical health, your mental health, your spiritual health. And this is something that comes up, you know, quite regularly when David Haupt comes on the show. He comes on every Wednesday mm. and talks about emotional health and the emotional benefits of being in an outdoor environment in nature. Yeah. Uh, and when you live in the country, you kind of can't escape that environment. Yeah. Whereas when you live in the city, you've kind of got to find you that environment. You have to find a way to escape it, yeah. Yes, you have to find a way to escape it. I remember when I was working at, um, in the, we planted a church uh, many years ago in Sydney CBD. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was commuting in there each day, and just being surrounded by the city and the and the hustle and the bustle and the hum of the city. It would sort of you would find those parks 
you know, and you go and spend a park, you know, go and have your lunch in the park somewhere. I do that every day rather than having it, you know, in a cafe or whatever. I'd go and have lunch in the park and it would just be like, ah, and, you, and you'd be, have all those people that would come out of those, you know, those office blocks and they would come down to the park and they would have their lunch and they would relax and get a little bit of sanity again mm. back into the day. And it's just so nice to get that little bit of sanity. Or you go to the beach. The other thing I was, I'd go to the beach. Yes. You could sit on the beach, stare out to the ocean. The city would be behind you. And you wouldn't actually be seeing the city, and and that was another great place to rejuvenate. Um, you know, if if you were in in you know in in the eastern suburbs where you had you know, you were close enough to a beach or whatever it might be, and so you know you had that kind of opportunity uh, to be able to um, to do that. But when you live in the country, you actually can't avoid it, <laughs> which is just. The best. Which is interesting, though, because in some ways you can avoid it. If you have high-speed internet and you have everything set up... Yes. Like, I've seen people who have moved to the country and have continued their lifestyle of gaming, of staring at a TV screen, of just staying inside. And so I think there's still intentionality that's needed. No matter where you live, I think it's easier in the country because you can actually walk outside and just... Because it's harder to get high-speed internet. (laughs) That's true, actually. (laughs) But, yeah. And I think, yeah, I think the intentionality is really the key. And yes, definitely. The, God can open doors for us to move out and he's done miracles for so many people. But, yeah, we just need to make the most of what we're doing at the time. As well. It would seem to me that if you moved to the country and took your city lifestyle with you, you would just make country living hard work. Yeah, exactly. And it's not it's in, not convenient. It's not this because you're just trying to live your city life in the country, which yes. is defeats the purpose of it. But the thing is, when you're living in the country, you can actually live a, live a real life. When you live um, a screen life, you're living a virtual life, <laughs> a virtual life, and you actually don't have a life. Mm. And the reason that people live a virtual life, you know, in the city, staring at a, a, at a screen, is because you don't have a life. I'm just <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. You don't have a life, um, and you need to get one. I mean, I grew up in the country, so mm. I've sort of never known anything else, and have had no desire ever to live in the city and gives me the creeps every time I go there. But, um, you know, so you've got that, you've got that opportunity. So you've got to have that intentionality as well. Uh, what are some of the other benefits to country living? I mean, we talk about, you know, the, the, the positive effect it will have on your emotional health, provided that you actually get outside yeah. and interact with it. Mm-hmm. Now, country living versus wilderness living. Yes, that's a very good very good question. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts there? <laughs> well, so there's one thing to completely remove yourself from society and do wilderness living and never see anyone and only go back into civilization once a month or two months or whenever. Um, but is that what we're called in the world to do? To be hermits or uh, monks? Or monks? Yeah, because a monastery that was the, that's the whole idea behind yeah. a monastery, isn't it? The whole idea behind a monastery is that if you go out into the country or you lock yourself behind doors, then you're going to shut yourself away from sin. Mm. So when I think about this, I think of the life of Enoch, and he was between the mountains and the multitude. He was going to be refreshed, but then he was going back in to interact with people and to care about people and to show them Jesus' love. And I feel like that's yeah such a good example for us. As well, well, I think of John the Baptist. Mm, I like him too. Yeah, because John the Baptist, you know, we've got a very good records of John the Baptist, and he's somebody who obviously who grew up in the country and ministered to the masses. Mm. And so, wilderness living may restrict your ability to minister the, to the masses if you are a long way from anywhere. And uh, I mean, human nature being what human nature is, 
um, separating yourself from the world, cutting yourself off from the world, going to somewhere where you close the door on the world and you're never going to see sin, is that going to stop you from sinning? No. Okay. But it's interesting because we have Moses, we have John the Baptist, we have all these people that go into the wilderness for like 40 days or for like an extended period of time. Yes. And what is that for? It's for preparation. Okay, so there are times when the wilderness is going to be beneficial for you. Mm-hmm. There are but it's times not when a full sh- season forever and ever. <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, so the wilderness for a season, but then country living for a lifestyle. Yes, I, I like, like that. that. Yeah, that's 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 a great concept right there. Now, when you're talking about country living, how much how much land do you need to around, need need to be living on to qualify? Mm. What's, what what what, you, what is your podcast? Uh, what's your podcast called again? Sorry, the Cultivate me. Podcast. The Cultivate Podcast, which you can find on Instagram at the underscore Cultivate Podcast, or it's also a, a conference that we run that branding under. So the Cultivate Conference is our Facebook page. Okay, all right. So underscore Cultivate the underscore Cultivate Podcast. The underscore Cultivate Podcast. <laughs> Confusing, I know, but the, all the names were taken away when we were trying to make the account. So. That's the world in which we live. <laughs> yeah. If there is a word in the English language, it has been used somewhere or other. That's it. How long have you been doing this podcast for? We started November last year. How so, many, How many episodes? We're up to episode 13 we released last Whoa, night. What? So, yeah, lots of awesome conversations. We just do it because we love the conversations, really, and just hit record and then... It will work. Do you just find <laughs> random country living people and interview them? We have been, and then other topics and different myths and questions that people have around it, and yeah, just talk about it. It's great. That's that's actually really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you talk about tractors? We have talked a little bit about tractors. I think you should. The I boys should I do it tractors. with love it more, so they they always bring that up. <laughs> I think you should talk about tractors. Uh, tractors are one of my favourite things. I think you should do a whole podcast just on tractors. All right. Yes. You want to help us out? I will definitely <laughs> help you out. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at one eight hundred Faith FM.